Like a deer in the headlights or gum in your hair, what got you here will not get you there. Join us as business owners get unstuck in real time on the business building struggles we all share. Welcome to the Business Breakthrough Podcast. And here's your host, Esty Rand. Welcome to episode 70. Hello, 70. Guys, oh my gosh, of the Business Breakthrough Podcast. And my guest today is super awesome. He and I have been hitting it off for a while. Please welcome to the show, Tony Watley. Hey, Tony. Welcome. welcome. Thank you for having me on your show and that nice welcome. Well, I'm so excited to have you guys. So Tony's super fun, okay? Um, here's, here's just a little bit about Tony. He became known as the side hustle millionaire after his book with the same title became a number one bestseller on Amazon. But the title isn't just fiction. It's based on his actual story. Would you like to know how to make millions of dollars as a side hustle? Yeah, me too. So Tony once led a successful corporate career for over 25 years, but that is less interesting than the side business he created, which generates millions in profit. I'm sorry, let's just clarify. Profit, the money in your pocket. Mm -hmm. As an active entrepreneur himself, he still owns a few businesses, but his real passion is teaching entrepreneurs how to start, scale, and sell their businesses with his consulting brand, 365 Driven. Tony, I'm so excited to dive into all this with you. I know, because I know your listeners are listening to that intro and they're probably thinking, this is a bunch of... No, <laughs> no, 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 because they so, know that I would never bring someone who's on the show. That's right. That's right. You know what? And you do your due diligence. I dare everybody to go Google me and look me up because I've been on the internet since, internet since 96. Ooh, I got nothing to hide. So time. I challenge you. I challenge you. And I think that's a big struggle, by the way, before we even dive in, like, let's, let's just mention that for a second, because there are so many fakers out there, so many millionaires teaching you how to be a millionaire. When you get the legit one, it's like, how do, how do we know? Like, how do we know? So first of all, if you're listening to my show and he's on my show, yeah, legit. Um, but in general, like it's tough world out there. You know, and I would be lying if I told you that watching all this fakery go on on social media for the last probably four or five years if that wasn't a motivator for me to actually throw my hat into the ring and actually show people how to do things the right way, that I would be lying because it, it, it was a motivator. I, I cannot stand when people teach people to do things they've never done or not even attempted. You know, if you've attempted and failed, you still have more viable experience than someone that just says like, hey, I'm going to make you rich by, I'm, I'm going to teach you how to do business. And the only business they have is to teach other people to do business. Totally. This is my issue with marketing. Also, like marketing people who their only marketing is to tell you how to do marketing. Um, <laughs> but they've they never marketed themselves at the same. They're not even they're not even using their own suggestions a lot of times. Yeah, they don't. They don't. Uh, all the charlatans. They make me insane. Yeah, for sure. Although I actually had someone ask me in my early days. To be fair, he's like, "Well, if you're so good at building businesses, why don't you build your own?" I'm like, "What? What does it look like I do?" <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like my business is building businesses. Um, but I did also have my own like dozen or so side hustles that were successful beforehand. So it's fair. Exactly. But your, your side hustle, like mine were like child play, literally. Like I did them <laughs> from the time I was a kid. You turned your car passion into millions of dollars. What, what was that? I'll tell you, it was, it was child's play too. How's that feel? Because <laughs> I was just playing with cars. I was just playing with cars online is what I was doing. And, and, so the first company I started was in 2001 and it was pre-social media. So we actually had to knock on doors and cold call and cold email these people to become advertisers. 
But what I built was an online community. I love communities. I'm a community builder. I've sort of come to understand that who I am. I built a very massive community. It was based on General Motors performance cars. So the Chevrolets, Cadillacs, Pontiacs, all the Camaros, Firebirds, Corvettes. I built an online community based around those vehicles so people could hang around on online and talk about their cars and talk about racing and talk about building cars and how-to articles and things like that. And it grew into the largest one on the internet. So we had, when I sold the website in 2007, which became the Side Hustle Millionaire, there was about 160,000 registered members and we had over 100,000 unique visitors per day, which is a massive amount of traffic. It's like a small city walking through the front door of your business. And so that attracted a lot of advertising revenue. And then I had spinoffs from that because there was a lot of people back in the early 2000s that did not have a website yet. So I had all these parts manufacturers, I had all these performance shops, car dealerships, a lot of them just weren't online yet. So we basically said, well, what if we turnkeyed this for you and built your website for you? And then you could use that to advertise on our website. See what I mean? So I was building customers on this three tiered, do it for you type business model. And I had about 75 freelancers at the time. So I'd farm all this stuff out and I was making money off of their effort and paying them for what they were doing for me. And it really just scaled and got out of hand. And that was, it was fun. Yeah, so, so although this website, we were making about $400,000 a year profit, I was only spending about less than an hour per day working on it. Oh, wow. But where was all the profit coming from? Like where, where was the money piece? Advertising revenue. So we even had wow. General Motors, Cadillac, Chevrolet, all these big banners and, and videos coming out. And yeah, we just had a lot of eyeballs. With that, amount of, with that amount of traffic, we were basically like Google machine. You know, we're basically just- So were these direct brand um, contracts or this was through Google AdWords? Was Google AdWords around in 2001? Google AdWords was, but we never put those on our website because we didn't want to depreciate the quality of the experience for the users. The users okay. were there for free. Right. So we treated them as customers basically because we had their attention. We knew that we could place ads in front of them and make a lot of money. So the Google ads, this is how, how much we like the quality. We would have already calculated we would have made about $200,000 profit extra per year had we embedded Google ads into our website. But we were already making a lot of profit and we were like, you know, I know people complain about those. We don't want them on our website. So when we ended up selling the website, the owners did put the Google, Google AdWords on there. But, you know, that's fine because they, they, they dealt with the, the fallback from that and the pushback from that. It's like we just didn't want to carve into that experience because to me, integrity of the community means far more than the dollars. If you're serving things, that's why we built it. We treated it like a really a legitimate company. I had one business partner in Chicago. I'm in Houston. And we just tried to treat it like a business. We didn't pay ourselves the first two years while we were building it. It was already making six figures. We were investing in marketing. And then the other aspect of it, we started having community-based events. So around the country would have these racing events to draw people out of the woodworks, get them off their computers to come meet other people from the community, build lifelong friendships, start to have these weaves of different racing events around. We did four events per year. We were funding that. We had advertising dollars, sponsors, ticket tickets, uh, making admission at the gates. So it started generating a lot of money for fun. You know, just a bunch of car people hanging out talking about cars. It's so genius. I love it. But how'd you get, so I think a lot of people were listening to this and they'd be like, but how do I get the car people to advertise with me? Like, just call them up. Hey, I got a website with a bunch of visitors. Want to advertise with me? Like, who do you get? I know my clients say to me, like, I want to get into this store. I want to get this person. Like, how did you, how did you get the brand marketers? Like, how'd you get them? 
you have to have the audience before you can start to monetize it. It's just like social media. Nowadays, people try to get followers and try to build their audience size. You're on LinkedIn and doing things and you're trying to build your audience. You start to gain more influence and then now you can start to monetize things. But a lot of times people try to monetize too early and they become wishy-washy and they haven't built the credibility. They haven't built the trust yet, so they lose the audience. So be willing to go in one to two years really all out and build the audience. Nowadays, your social media, you're following and think about monetizing, but how do you do that? So what we did is we did giveaways because we knew based on the server logs back then, we could see who logged into their actual account to use the website and we could see who was just browsing but never registered for an account. And honestly, it was about 50% of people just surfed but didn't register. So we didn't have their contact information, we didn't have their email address, all that. So we started doing giveaways. We said, hey, we have these sponsors. What if we can give away car parts or gift certificates from these sponsors to get people to register? So we would say like every month we're going to give away a $250 gift certificate to any sponsor on our site. And there was probably 15 of them at the time. And basically that was a win, win, win because it, it made them register to the site. The sponsor got noted, you know, basically mentioned a bunch of times. And then the person that registered whoever won would get the parts. So it was, a, it was a great, great, great reciprocal thing. Reciprocity is what a big thing. So when you build a community, sometimes you just do giveaways for the first six months. I've seen people on Instagram. My doing Instagram, this like, is all they do. Collaboration. Yeah, yeah. That's all give, they do. I'm giving away AirPods. I'm going to give away this MP3 <laughs> thing. I'm going to give away a free app or whatever it is. So it's not really. I hate really... that it's not, not related. I love yours because it's related to your audience. It's car parts. Mm -hmm. It's related to the thing. When I see these giveaways on Instagram, it's like, hey, we bought an iPad. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> we're, we're a, a makeup facility and we go to it like what but it, but it works but it works you know it and, and that's, work, and that's so what it is brand. it irritates me but i it, know it but it works better if it was like but how'd you get the sponsors though did you knock on someone's door and say hey absolutely a community of oh okay great we, we went we went to where our sponsors hung out which was the magazines at the time and maybe some other forums that were just coming out and so we said where is our audience at? Okay, it's these automotive magazines. So my partner and I, we would divide and conquer. We would look up a magazine. You go call these 20 people today and we'll go call these 20 advertisers today. So we're calling them up and, and a lot of them are like, oh, well, we don't have a website. And we're like, well, hey, I can build you a website. And then we'll charge them to do that. So I basically got an upsell on them right at the beginning. So I, I, yeah, I built over 100 websites myself before I started farming them out. Oh, and wow, that's a that lot. Was, that I was harder. There was no word. There was no WordPress back then. I was coding them. I was laying them out on Photoshop, slicing, making the buttons, making it all functional. So like a, a three to five page website back then was probably taking me 15 hours to make. Oh, wow. Nowadays, you could do it in an hour. <laughs> totally. Yeah, I built my first website. I think it was in 2003, but it was with one of the first um, like interactive builders. Uh, like a one-on-one, -on -one, like a WYSIWYG. Freewebs, which oh, now yeah. is called Webs. Yeah, I remember which I that. bought by Vistaprint. Yeah, but in the early days, it was called Free Webs. I remember mm -hmm. finding it. I remember I taught myself HTML and I built my first website. It was probably about 2003. Yeah. That's it. I actually taught myself HTML with a book. I bought something and then I got Notepad and I would practice it and look at it in the browser. And then that's how I taught myself how to make web pages. Totally. Yeah, that's actually how I ended up learning um, VBA and, um, and database um, building. I, I went to, <laughs> I literally went to Barnes and Noble. I bought two books. Yep. I, think, I think those books are still back here on my shelf. Yeah. You know, and, and that, I feel like I want to tell the audience, people just, you know, like w Tony and I, we're not bragging. I want you to understand, like, this is just literally what you do <laughs> when you want to build a business. You don't need money. You just need to be resourceful. 
That's yeah, it. be willing to learn and, and find the answers. Nowadays, it's a lot easier. Like so today, easy. it's never been easier to be an entrepreneur, never. So there's no excuses, really. No, but I think what happens is because it's so easy, people think it's even easier than it really is. And then when it's a little bit hard, like, oh, oh, I wasn't expecting it to be hard. Oh, never mind. I think starting any company is going to be hard the first two years. And that's only because you're trying to build your brand awareness. You're trying to get more market share. You're trying to get your name out there and you're doing a lot of things wrong because you haven't asked the right questions from the right people. And you learn these lessons as you go. But I think the first one year for sure, you're going to be putting in the work. So, you know, you and I talked before we fired up the microphones about the hustle and grind. You know, that's actually legit the first year. But after that, if you built the right business model and put the systems in place, you could be able to step away from that. And sometimes it's fully automated at some point and you don't have to do any of it at all. Totally. And it depends what you're trying to build. Like, yeah, we, before we put the mics up, I was talking about a client who, uh, you know, found himself not busy <laughs> suddenly, but that's because we scaled him up. We got the systems in place. We got the other people working for him. And suddenly he's like, I see, I got, I got free time. I I'm nervous. And I'm like, dude, but, but you're earning more money. Right. And he's like, yeah, but I I'm free. I'm like, go to the beach. <laughs> like, it's go, go to the gym go drive your car go ride a bicycle go get a yeah. dog just do but something fun exactly and people get i think that it, it comes in like these flip ways like either people don't realize they're going to have to do that hustle to get it off the ground and then they get stuck when they have to or they get so stuck in the hustle they never get out of it i think it's i think it's a remnant of the employee mindset that your client was probably experiencing because a lot of times we think that we have to trade our hours for dollars that's a self-limiting belief. That's something we're usually raised with. Our parents are teaching us, our teachers are teaching that, our professors are teaching us that. And when you're not using your hours, air quotes, productively, you think that you're not working and that you, know, you start to lose self-worth because that's the way you were taught. Like, hey, if you got to go work 50 hours a week to make a living, you got to get that steady job. And, and then here you have this online business that's scaling itself and it's basically being done by employees or, or staff. And you start to find all this extra time, but then you feel like you're not contributing enough to the company. See, that's the employee mindset tugging at you, like trying to bring you back to average. And you know what? Go find something that you enjoy. Because you know what? Anyone that tells me, like, I love my job, I, I, I kind of, yeah, I, I think you can enjoy what you do, but I think I can enjoy 10 other things more than any job. Totally. Totally, totally, yeah. And, and again, I talk a lot about you should do what you love, right? Like, so you took this. So I was like, and I, I want to understand this journey a little more because well, mm -hmm. we can totally talk about all this stuff forever. I want to know where you came from. Like, what were you doing that you were like, hey, I'll just build a car website. Hey, let's get sponsors. Hey, we're earning millions of dollars. Cool. You know, and then you sold it and you moved on. Like, wh where did you come from? How did this whole thing even like happen? Where'd you get into business from? So this is, I've always been an entrepreneur, even since I was a child. When I was 12, I was pushing the lawnmower around the neighborhood, knocking on doors with tall grass, asking if I can mow the yard for 10 bucks. And then if they say no, I'd say, can I wash your car for five bucks? And so I was really used to doing that because we didn't have money. My parents were both blue collar. My mom worked in the public school system in the cafeteria. My dad was in the military, got out, worked in the chemical refineries here in Houston his entire career. So they're both very hardworking, blue collar, disciplined people. My mom's Japanese, very, very disciplined on education because she didn't get that as a woman in Japan. And I never missed a day of school. I went through kindergarten through graduation without missing a single day of school. She valued the education. We moved to a small town that had a good school system that we could barely afford to live there because they wanted to have a good public school for me and my sister to attend. Now, 
entrepreneurship definitely doesn't run in the family. Both sides of my family, there was nobody that's ever even been to college until I did. I went to college, I got a mechanical engineering degree. I paid for it myself. I was working in the chemical refineries at age 18 through 25, and that's how oh, I paid wow. for college. So um, it took me seven years to graduate because I was going to school at nighttime. I was waiting tables on the weekend. And what happened is, SD, I got the degree and I graduated in 2008. I'm sorry, 98. That was the business. So 98, I graduate. And basically, I was getting home at 5 p.m. And I was like, wow, this is, this is weird. Like, I'm not used to this. Like, I'm used to working and going to school and coming home at like two in the morning and taking a four hour nap and then restarting the day. And it felt like that 40 hour week was a part-time job to me. So I said, I can do more. I'm not living the lifestyle that I want. I still have some student you know, loan debt that I need to get through. And what can I do instead of sitting on the couch watching TV like most people say, so, you know what I did? I was that engineer that would get home from my pretty good engineering salary job change into my apron and go wait tables at the restaurant that I used to manage on the evenings to go pick up an extra hundred bucks. And I did that every night on the weekends, I would go work in a performance shop and work on cars during the day. Then I would go back to the restaurant at night, work some more. So yeah, you're starting to hear like these things about being a workaholic. But the thing is, the reality was that I did not have the life that I wanted. So I had no other choice to go do something about it. And I was in that employee mindset, still thinking I gotta go trade hours for dollars. That's all I knew is like, go get another job. We'll go get two more jobs. I was working three jobs. And, <laughs> go get as many jobs crazy. as you can until there's no more hours left in the day. And then you're doing everything you can. It's crazy, you know? And, and it was actually, I, I can't remember if it was the, the comedy show Living Color. I think it was back then. It was back in like the early 90s. And there was a skit from this Middle Eastern family or something, or it was a Jamaican family. I can't remember. It's been so long ago. But they, that was the whole joke is they would be like, I got five jobs. I got six jobs. And they were always like one up in each other and like, oh man, I work in 10 jobs. And it was just a funny skit. But I'm watching it going, that, that's kind of me. I don't know if that's funny or not. That's, that's me. And, and but the thing is, if you want to become successful, you've got to swallow your pride. You've got to push aside the ego and do the things that most people won't do to get the results that they don't have. Because there's a lot of people that would have graduated engineering school and said, well, hell no, I'm not gonna go wait tables. I'm better than that, I'm an engineer. And I guarantee I was probably earning more than most of the people I served. But to me, it was like, I don't have the life I want. How do I get there? I need more money to do that. How do I get more money? Well, I'll just get another job or I'll just do this thing. So eventually that led to, I'm gonna start a business. Let me try to do that. Let me try to do that for the first time. And that was in 2001. And that's when, uh, that's when you started this car thing. So you started it with it in mind to be a business. Yes, absolutely. Because we had already seen what was available on the market. There was another website that we were actually frequenting and they weren't doing a good job of keeping the hosting up and it kept getting deleted by the server. So we said, you know, we're here, we are wasting these hours on this other site. That's not really being a good steward for the information that we're creating for them. So we approached the owner and we said, you're going to love this. We said, Hey, we know that you got advertisers. We can see the 20 advertisers. Some of them we know. So we know what you charge them per month. We know what a server costs per month. So here you are making basically 90% profit margin and you're not paying your server bill. Like what's up with that? And, and the guy, and we were the most supportive members that he had is basically like if you had an all-star team of supporters and they came to you and had a concern and, and you're supposed to listen to with positive feedback and be constructive. But what he did is he challenged us. He's like, if you guys think you could do a better job, go start your own. 
here's that, that's, a, that's a huge lesson for anyone listening to this. If you own something and you got top level employees or top level audience or fan base, never, ever, ever challenge them to go do something better than you because those are the kind of people that will go do it just to prove you wrong. And that's who I am. Totally. And you did. And you probably took over the whole market. Oh, all of, all of it. Yeah. He basically became a shadow of his former business self after that. And we became number one. So it's. Did he ever come back thing. to you? I'm so curious. Oh, yeah. yeah. This is even funnier. Cause even, even about a year in, well, the first time he said, he said that we started building, then we built one. And you know, a couple months later we crossed path again online. And he says, well, when you guys have more followers or more members, which I think at his time was like 10,000 at the time, he goes, then you can tell me how to run a business. So within one year, we'd already crested that. And I made sure to send him an email with a screenshot and said, hey, I, we have more members than you now. Can you can we tell you how to run your business? He <laughs> was kind of like, screw you. And then, you know, basically, we just buried him from that point on. So it was, it was fun. But we would have never created that website had he just done something about it. He had the, the, the leaders, the essential leaders of his group coming to him with real concerns and he disregarded us and basically told us to go do something else. And we're like, okay. So I think it's such a lesson in, in service. I feel like everything you're saying, like if I would pull, you know, one key, key teaching out of it, it's when you build something for people, they come. Like you always say, build it and they will come. And it's not true. You yeah. have to build something that people want in a way they want it and they will come. And, uh, and when you don't, you might start by getting them, but you'll lose. In the Absolutely. And, and you know, I'll even say that you and I, we love marketing. That's our thing. And you can build it. They won't come unless they know about it. And that's the kind of thing about like I wrote the book and I use the marketing principles that I had for starting businesses and helping people brand their things. I use that to my book, but I couldn't say that I worked on books until I proved it. So I said, you know what, there's a lot of parallels here. Let me, let me market my book. So when I wrote that book, I marketed, I pre-marketed it for six months, giving people tidbits and keeping them involved in the project and sharing updates. And here's a bunch of cover designs. Help you guys help me pick the one, even though I knew I was the one I was going to pick. It was like, I had like 15 of them and everybody's like, oh yeah. yeah. And, and some of them were like bogus for fun, just to like create laughter and, you know, engagement. So I was like, okay, all these things are great marketing tactics. And, and here's the thing, like I'm looking at my vision board, which is the backdrop of my computer right now. And and it's, it's pictures of places I want to visit, cars that I still want to buy, homes that I like to live in. It's the lifestyle I have in 10 years. But right in the middle, I stuck Amazon number one bestseller, the logo, the gold crest that you see on a lot of other things. Yeah. I stuck that on there before I typed the very first word of the book. So, and, and I published this in my group. I said, this is my vision board and everybody saw it. So I basically said, that's what I'm going to do. And I wrote the book and it became a number one bestseller in nine hours after launch. It sold over a thousand copies in the first week. But that's a testament to the marketing of that. Because it's like you said, I could have built the very best book in the world. Like you got one on the back shelf. I see four hour work week because I understand that color combo. I have the same book on my shelf. Yeah, I've never read it, but I, I intended to. <laughs> it's a good book. The ones on the top are the ones I actually didn't read yet. The ones on the bottom are red. Those sit up there to remind me. Got it. Them. I get it. Yeah, I have the same thing. I have a, my nightstand is the books that I'm still finishing and the, the ones on the shelf behind me are the ones that I've finished. Yeah. So, but I get it. It's, I could have wrote the very best book in the world, but if nobody would have knew about it, then it wouldn't matter. And that's what most people don't realize is the marketing value and, and the business principles that go into marketing anything or building your personal brand. Like 
they all apply to anything that requires marketing. So once it became number one, I was like, well, I guess I know how to write a best-selling book too. Like, you know, but I had to validate that. I couldn't like make that bold claim before it happened. So totally. you no know, marketing, build it, and they will come only if they know about it. Hey guys, thank you so much for listening to part one of this episode. Stay tuned for part two going live Thursday. And of course, subscribe. You do not want to miss this. You've been listening to the Business Breakthrough Podcast with SD Rand. If you're looking for a breakthrough in your business, reach out at sdrand.com slash breakthrough to be a guest on the show. Everyone's got a business struggle. What's yours?